you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Mark Webster. How are you, Mark? Hey, Mads. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing really good. Thank you. How are you? I am fantastic. Enjoying life here in Vietnam, COVID-free Vietnam. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm jealous. We're on lockdown number six here in Scotland or, or something like that. I lost count by now. So, Excellent. Excellent. Sounds, sounds like you're ready to podcast them. Oh, that's I, I've I've got nowhere else to be. So, you know. <laughs> excellent, Mark. A few people around the world still don't know who you are. Believe it or not, could you do a little bit of an introduction of who you are and how you ended up in a house in Scotland? Sure. Well, I, I'm actually Scottish, which not many people get from my accent. I, I used to live in America when I was younger, so this blended thing going on, but I run a business called Authority Hacker, which I co-founded with my business partner, Gail, in 2014. And we create actionable education, mostly sort of marketing stuff, big SEO focus. Uh, We create this education for website owners. So we help people to start or to grow websites. Uh, My past comes from, or I come from uh, an agency background. So uh, also with Gail, we started a a digital marketing agency in Budapest in 2010. Uh, And we have worked on, you know, hundreds of different clients, Fortune 500 down to the little guy. I have quite a lot of experience. Uh, In addition to all of that, we, we run a small portfolio of our own affiliate websites at the moment. So quite a lot of different experience running different types of marketing campaigns. And yeah, I love to love to talk shop as much as possible. Excellent. Well, that's a great opportunity. Great opportunity. So, um, yeah, what, what's the size of the team you have right now, Mark? And yeah, so we, we have 15 people. Uh, I would say five are what I would class as like core employees, full-time career-minded folks. And then we have 10 freelancers. That could be the guy who edits our videos or edits our podcast, um, you know, writers for our various websites, editors, people, people like that. Excellent. And when, when you used to run the agency, what, what sort of size did you have at that point? We have 30 people, three zero uh, at our, our biggest, uh, although I think six or seven of them were, were interns or, or kind of like summer intern students, things like that. So like tw- 24, 25 people, uh, employees at, at top. But that was, I, I mean, I can get into that, but that was a bad idea. We tried to grow too quickly and we ended up scaling all our inefficient processes and, you know, surprise, surprise, throwing resource at a problem doesn't always solve it. Well, it makes it a more expensive problem. Um, Indeed. For sure. So, yeah, lots of people trying to scale agencies and uh, struggling with it. And definitely challenging processes is often part of it. So it, it's, a, it's a really difficult problem uh, with, with agency, which we're really fortunate in the business we have at the moment because we, whenever we want to grow, we want to bring new people in it's okay for us to take our time and make sure we get the right person, which we're very careful to do now 
based on our, our, our past mistakes. But with the agency model, you're kind of restricted away in a way because you may have a new client coming on board in two weeks time and you, you need extra resource to, to service them. So sometimes that forces you to make subpar decisions just to seek progress. Uh, and I think that was one of the reasons why we, we ended up with such an inefficient organization back in those days. Yeah, and, and sometimes it can be hard. You're, you're right, because when, you know, when you're under pressure and you feel like there's a billion things to do, you, you feel often forced into recruiting, even if it's not the right guy or girl sitting in front of you, right? And that's definitely, yeah, that's something I always talk a lot to, to particularly my clients about, because it, like, it doesn't even have to be a bad, but a not so good hire ends up being much, much more costly in most cases, than not hiring at all, right? And yeah, I, is... I, 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 re I really buy into the philosophy of you hire A plus superstars, excellent people, or nobody. Uh, good, great, average, you know, that's, that, that's, that's just not going not gonna to work. And I've worked with enough average people over the years that it just, not only do they not perform at the same level as superstars, but they seem to just like sap my energy and the energy of other people who were potentially doing good work. And then as soon as that person leaves or is fired or of their own accord, whatever, then you just instantly have this like bounce back and everyone's just has a spring in their step and, and you get more shit done. So we try as much as possible. No, don't always succeed, but we try as much as possible to operate on, on, on that kind of basis. That makes a lot of sense. And, and I mean, reality is even the best people, I mean, I mean, I'll say with hires, like for, for me personally, like, you know, if I get eight out of 10 and nine out of 10, right, I'm very happy, right? So even when you're experienced in recruiting and so on, you you are dealing with human beings, right? And and sometimes for whatever reason, it just doesn't go right. But, but it's definitely one of the skills for me. Like if you want to be a business owner, there's very few things more valuable than learning to recruit great people, right? I 100% agree. And it's also one of the skills which very few business owners have because they're working on their actual business, which usually is nothing to do with, with hiring. It's like you can often outsource your accounting or your your legal stuff. That's that's quite normal to, to do. But for a startup, you know, trying to outsource recruitment, very, very difficult because it's such a personal thing. And, you know, you have different quality of providers and different people. And it's just, it's really something you need to develop a skill and it takes time and it takes failure to, to, to get there. There's a lot of great resources out there on, on, on how to hire better, but until you've actually done it, uh, until you've actually conducted these interviews, you, you're, it's like learning a language from a book rather than speaking to someone, you know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and I mean, a lot of that actually ties into management as well, right? Because when, when you're looking at management, like one thing is reading the theory, but then actually when you start dealing with human beings, you realize that theory is one thing and reality is sometimes different particularly with human beings. And uh, I, I think that's one of the biggest lessons I had. I mean, I, I learned a lot of my management just through self-development, all right? And like so many times when I was learning things, it, I wouldn't be using at that point in time 
necessarily, but it was something that will come back to me like a year or three years later, or suddenly I find myself in a situation. And I'm like, Ooh, I screwed up. I know. Like I've read that in this situation, I should do this thing. And I didn't. Right. So I think recruitment is a little bit the same. The, the, the big problem people have is they don't recruit a lot. Like if you recruit once a year, you're, you're, you're rarely going to become very good because you're just not doing it frequently enough. For sure. For sure. And I mean, I remember I studied business at university and I remember reading all these, these books and taking these lectures on HR and recruitment and, and all that stuff. And it's just so theoretical. You've no reference experience to kind of understand that, that stuff. And it felt just not actionable, but now with 11, 12 years experience as an entrepreneur under my belt, when I read some of this stuff, it, it, there's still a lot of stuff in, in there, which is, is not applicable and not, not very actual. But when I read some of this stuff now, it's like, oh, okay, that's what happened in that, in that situation. And it, it starts, to, starts to make more sense. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the same thing when, when people come to me and say like, hey, you know, should I have your training or your course and things like that? And I always suggest like, if you, if you haven't gotten at least one or two employees, and a little bit of actual day-to-day experience managing people, it, it, it's probably too early, right? I mean, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, you can always buy it and look at it later type thing. But, but if, you, if you take some of that sort of theory and you, you ha- haven't tried to apply it, you haven't tried to achieve some of those situations before, it makes it much more difficult to understand, right? And, and it's really, particularly when I learn, like I love when I can take something and put it into action straight away, right? Because that way I, I put myself in a situation where I like, get to use it straight away and I can see, does it work? And when you see stuff works, it's so much easier to remember it and, you know, put a process around it and so on. So, yeah. Yeah, totally agree. What's been the biggest management mistake or the biggest sort of screw up that you have ever made i would say i mean there's there's two really one is not firing people who were obviously bad fast enough so i spent a couple years working in a a corporate environment um in one of these graduate programs exposed to like the 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 typical nine to five office way of working. You know, we had an HR rep in our department and all that kind of stuff. And they were that mentality. I think I tried to imitate as an entrepreneur and it, it just didn't work. So we had multiple situations where we had people who were not the right fit in the wrong role, not a good culture fit, not working hard. And sometimes just like doing straight up stupid shit. Uh, which we should never let them get away with. And every time we were like, oh, let's you know, talk to them and make a performance improvement plan and have this three, three warnings before, before they're gone kind of thing. And I, I understand why some bigger co- companies are, have those in place so they don't get sued and all these, these kind of things. But when you're a small business, business with like three people in your team and one of them is, is behaving like that, uh, it, it's it really can potentially kill your business if, if you don't take action sooner and just like cut the dead weight so that you can, you can move forward. It's in everyone's best interest. Even that employee who not, it's not always that they're just bad people. It's more likely they're just in the wrong role. This is not the position, the company, the time for them to be working here. So I think not getting rid of 
the wrong people fast enough and making those difficult decisions because it's hard like especially you know these people often become your friends and you get quite close to them and you hang out in real life and it's really difficult to to separate the kind of analytical business mind from the uh this is my mate uh thing which which we had a lot in in the early days especially uh so i would say that is uh, certainly a, a big mistake and the other is hiring too fast so I, i've heard all these acronym or the, these um sayings like hire fast fire fast or hire slow fire fast all these these variations of it um at the moment our approach is we want to hire the right people so whether that goes fast or slow uh it doesn't make too much of a difference we we'd rather take our time and, and get the right people in uh there's been times when we were running our, our agency where we're up to sort of like 10 people and we we're having these new clients come in and we just need to get more people in the door and we thought at that time, oh, we can teach anyone. We, we did a lot of SEO for our clients. We're like, we can teach anyone who has half a brain SEO. It's not too difficult. Uh, we'll just you know, show them a bunch of our, our processes. They can learn on the job and they can go straight into working for a, a Fortune 500 client on, on, on day one. That was a terrible idea. So bringing, bringing in the wrong people uh, too quickly was, was just a, an absolute nightmare. Uh, and it, that also led to the earlier situation where we had the wrong people. We didn't fire them fast enough. So I guess that's like one problem in its in, in entirety. Um, and I think a lot of that was, was just, we didn't know what we we're doing. We didn't know how to hire, how we we're supposed to. The first job interview I ever did with someone was in a bar. Like it was a friend of a friend in Budapest. He's like, oh, I have this friend who's looking for a job. And it's like, oh, we need someone to work for us. So we invite Gail and I, we invited him to a bar and we had like six pints and just chatted to him, didn't really ask him any interview questions, like to, to really understand what, whether it was, it was good or not. And that was our first employee. It was like, that was the extent of our, of our ability at, at the time. And thankfully we've, we've come a long way from there though. Excellent. Yeah. That's a, uh, I've never done a job interview in a bar, I think, but uh, Yeah. Maybe maybe I should try it out sometime. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Any any particular golden nuggets around recruitment? I mean, you you guys have hired quite a bit. Yeah. So any any sort of tips, tricks, and likes that you think people can really learn from and and pick up? So it's all about uh, having for us having a structured process in in place for that. And we think we're marketers, so we're we're all used to sales funnels and converting people. We think of recruitment in the same way as a, as a funnel. So at the top, you have your leads. Essentially, you, you need to create a compelling job ad where you're sharing your vision of of what you want to do with your company. You're talking about the, the, the role, the benefits, you're trying to make it exciting to people. And it's not so much about getting a million applicants to, to your job. It's about, because you'll hopefully get a lot of applicants if you're doing this correctly, but we want to make sure that in, in that bunch, all of the, there's a lot of A players. So we want to be speaking primarily to those A players. So we want to be talking about kind of like our, our longer term goals, and uh, where, we, where we see the business and trying to attract people who are maybe a bit more ambitious, uh, not just, oh, I wanna show up from nine to five and push some, push some paper around. Uh, and part of that as well is putting the, the job ad in the right place and getting the, the right people in, in, front of, 
in front of it, which is a challenge which we uh, face every every single day. It's it's really difficult when you're working online to know like if you're in one specific country. When we we're in Budapest, there was one job job board and everyone used it, so we would just go there and and hire. Now we we're a remote business. We don't have any fixed office. We have people in every continent. So there's not really a single place we we go to. So we have to kind of be constantly evaluating different hiring um, portals, different jobs boards. Uh, even there's a lot of Facebook groups and stuff these days, uh, specific to local areas or to specific industries for writers, for example. Uh, so you have to kind of build up a, a decent database there. Then what we do is we have everyone, uh, at the end of the job ad, there'll be a link to an application form. And we have everyone fill in this application form, which is which allows us to compare everyone uh, against each other. I often find with CVs, you have so many different formats, and honestly, they're mo they're mostly bullshit anyway. So it's it's quite difficult to discern if someone actually good or not uh, from 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 a CV. So this way, it allows us to ask specific questions, which would be related to to the job. So if we're hiring a writer, we'd maybe ask them to give some uh, examples of, of work in this industry, which has been published online before, or if we're hiring, hiring a, a, a writer, we, a designer rather, we may give them a, a small task to do uh, in, the, in the application, like a five, 10 minute thing, just to assess at a basic level, is this person really at the, the first level, we're trying to discard everyone who's bad and not worth, worth looking at. That's all we're trying to do at this, this stage. Once those applications come in, we assess them all uh, and we decide, okay, who, who are the ones we obviously want to get rid of? So that's the first phase. Then we'll go through them again. And we'll say, who are the ones of here who, who stand out the, the most? And usually if you, if you have enough applicants, so 50 to 100, you will get maybe 10, five to 10, like really, really good ones or really promising ones. Uh, it varies from, from position to position. At that stage, we have a, a screening call. Now, in the past, we had gone through a, a less time-intensive process early on. So we would send them uh, tests and uh, send them sometimes second questionnaires and other tasks to do, which we still do after the screening call. But we found that having this screening call earlier on, it's a 15-minute call. We're, we're quite strict of that. Uh, and we, we just asked them what their career goals are, uh, the reason for that question is that people who have goals uh, tend to be, you know, some of the better people out there. If you don't have a goal, you know, what are you doing kind of thing? Uh, we ask them what they're good at, what they're bad at. Uh, and it, surprising the amount of people who have, have like given us quite honest answers when, when we've, we've asked that in, in these calls. Um, I don't know if it's like the informal setting or, or, or whatever, but that's a way of, of discounting people. And then something I picked up off of, uh, there was a course I did, I uh, forget the name of it, Management Rhythms, I think it was called. And they basically said uh, to ask, ask people, who were your last three bosses or clients? So, so a freelancer, how would they rate you out of 10? And as you're asking the question, you say, answer honestly, because we check references. And just saying that even if you don't actually check references, which it's something you, you probably should do if it's a, a serious role, then that just seems to get people to, to answer quite honestly, quite openly. Um, and so just by spending 15 minutes talking to them 
uh, through these questions and then explaining what we're trying to do, uh, sharing the vision of the website or the business, which, which we're working on, kind of getting them excited because part of this is screening them. And the other part is selling them because we want the, the best people are going to have many different options. They're going to be, uh, ha have lots of different offers. So it's worth, um, uh, selling them on your, on your, on your role. And, speaking to them early on in the process allows us to do that and allows us to get them to buy into the longer process. So after this, we then often run multiple rounds of, of testing. Usually we'll pay for, pay for the testing. It depends on, on the role. If we're hiring off of Upwork or one of these platforms, or if it's a writer, we'll pay for one article and we'll give everyone the same article to uh, same instructions. And, and so we can compare them all. Uh, for some of the more full-time type positions, we'll uh, where we're if we're meeting them face to face, like say in Budapest, we would um, give them like a, an Excel test or you know some kind of test to research something online, depending on what the role was, uh, and we would kind of observe them observe them doing it. We've experimented with different standardized testing. Um, uh, there, there was one called One Score, I think it was One Wonder Lick. Um, weird name, I know, but uh, that that assessed like basically IQ and motivation and personality. And I'm not quite sure how they got the the data set from, but they would compare it to people who had similar roles and how they had performed in those roles. And using that would would kind of estimate now. We had mixed results with that. On the IQ side, we, we actually found it to be pretty useful. On the personality motivation side, not so much. It was, it was often quite far off. And I feel maybe it's because we don't have that many Americans working for us. And I think their data set for who performed well in, in roles was based on US culture. So maybe there was some discrepancy there. I, I don't know. But standardized testing can be good. We, we, we have used some in the past, which have been um, it felt like we were just doing it for, for something to do, like your, your Myers-Briggs person, personality. And, I, you know, I go back and forth with this. I sometimes find it quite useful, but other times it's maybe, are we just doing this because it's something to, to test? And is it actually going to help us make an informed decision? Um, we haven't found it to be that accurate in, in, in the past. So anyway, we'll, we'll go through multiple rounds of this, this testing, and then we'll have a, a longer interview, like a, uh, hour and a half to two hour type interview where we go through all of their past work experience in quite detail that can take up to an hour. Uh, we just ask them uh, what they were hired to do. Um, what was their biggest achievement, biggest failure? Um, why did they leave those kinds of kinds of questions and just whatever they say, just dig into it, ask them to tell, tell us more and, and, and kind of try and bottom out everything there to uncover any potential skeletons in, in the, in the closet. Then after that, we'll, we'll go through some sort of competency-based questions, uh, which may be specific to the role. We'll also ask just some like culture fit type questions. Uh, we're a, I would say a high-tech company. I mean, we, we all work on computers. It's important to, to know your way around, know all the shortcuts, that kind of thing. So we try and look out for for things there. For example, has someone built their own PC? Do they know what type of processor they have in their, their computer? Um, are they using Internet Explorer um, or, you know, Chrome? Sometimes that can be be quite interesting and, and tell you a lot. Uh, so we, we try and look look for these little things as well. And then, yeah, after that, we'll we'll, we'll make the offer and, 
and, and hire someone. Hopefully if they, if they make it through, if, if no one makes it through, then we'll start recruiting again. Awesome to hear. Yeah. It's one of the things that's harder for people to do is start over. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a great thing to do. And uh, yeah, what you said, I mean, this exactly what I say in my course is the fact that, you know, recruitment is really sales. It's not, fulfillment so many people really look at it as oh that's a role we need to fill it let's fill it right and yeah. and really it's it's all about sales like you have to have the sales mindset to be successful in recruitment right i um, would i would say it's especially important in a, a final interview type situation often if you're spending two hours talking to someone and someone's obviously a superstar you'll you'll know in the first 30 to 45 minutes usually so you can then rather than trying to really grill them and put them under loads of loads of pressure you can still ask some of these questions but you can also turn it more into like a two-way conversation where you're pre-selling them on why it's a good place to work and just dropping some some information like oh this is our we have unlimited vacation days and like things like that uh, which would make them more likely to say yes if you if you make them an offer yeah. Now here's one th- one comment around that. So sometimes people are trying to sell their business too hard. So and and sometimes particularly in terms of making the role sound easier than it is, and they're like, oh yeah, it's not too difficult and all that kind of stuff. So my experience is that again, the best people want big challenges, right? So when we say sell your company, it doesn't mean make the job sound easier, you know, make it sound like a walk in the park where they can sleep halfway through it. It's really about making it sound challenging as it is, but really also making sure that you are showing them both the room for growth and improvement, talking a lot about what they can actually learn. Because most, in my experience at least, most amazing people are not just in it you know, to have a job and to, to fulfill a payroll. They're, they're really there because they want to learn. They want to grow. They want to they be more than they are right now. And that, that's really the point you want to hit on when you talk about selling your business. Anyway. Yeah, com- com- completely agree. I, I think that there's a, a common misconception that, um, uh, you know, when I was at college and high school, I, I worked part-time in a supermarket to make some, make some extra money at the, for, the, for the weekends. And the types of people you have in there, right? So, and I include myself at the time as, as one of these people, we're not going in there because like we want to have the best stacked shelves or serve the most customers or, or whatever. We just want to do as little as possible and get paid so that we can go out and drink at the weekend kind of thing. That's the, that's the mentality of uh, a 17 year old shop worker or whatever. But when you're recruiting for a serious business, uh, someone full time, then you absolutely don't want people like that. Someone who's going to slack off or, or not someone who just wants it for, for money or they, they want to often you find they work, want to work in an environment where they can work from home. And those kind of the, the benefits are more appealing to them than the, the actual position itself. So like I often ask people in an interview, uh, what attracted you more? Uh, was it the the role or the company? And there's no right answer to that, obviously. But if someone says it's more about the company, oh yeah, I really like that you you work online and you can 
choose my own hours and and these things but have no mention but doesn't bother to mention oh yeah i'm really excited about doing this i want to achieve this uh i i saw that you did this and that's really exciting then that could potentially not always but potentially be a red flag as well yeah yeah and one one thing i've always found is is honesty so uh, you said earlier that you know sometimes people are really honest so we we actually have a couple of questions usually in our interview process that that just focusing on getting an honest answer so so for example asking things like you know what's your biggest weakness or something like that um or, or we like questions like what's a good example like if you have to pick one do you prefer to work as part of a team or work on your own right but like questions that are kind of yeah if you have to pick one or the other but it's not like the, the problem is if you don't ask people to pick one or the other they're like oh yeah i work uh, i can work both in team and alone but if you if you yeah. force them to pick one and then look at how they respond. If they go straight to an answer, that generally tells you they're honest. If they're like, well, you know, I'm very good working at team, but I'm also quite okay working alone. And, you know, if they're messing around, it's obvious they're just trying to satisfy you. Whereas when they're being very honest, they tend to have an answer that's just straight away, right? Okay, I'm definitely stealing that for our, our, our uh, interview process, thanks. Because that's, I mean, that's, we, we have definitely found, and we always compare notes. So one of the beautiful things that happens when you recruit a lot and hire a lot of people is the fact that you can actually start comparing interview notes. So you can start saying, well, you know, our, I don't know, top 10 performers all had this in common when we interviewed them, right? And you can start saying, oh, well, they answered like this way, or they answered this question this way, or they had this stuff on their resume. Like, so one of the things we, we found as example is that, you know, nine out of 10 of our top performers at some point in their life lived in a foreign country, right? Mm -hmm. Now, when we have a team of 100 people, when nine out of the top 10 have that in common, that's a pretty good sign. Like it doesn't automatically qualify someone, but it's a sign that when you have that, that's, that's a potentially good thing, right? So do you think there's a risk of hiring people who are, are just the same as you and the same as the people you have in, in that situation though? Uh, yes. And not because of that. So, so okay. that someone who lived abroad doesn't really put them in a particular personality category. Right. Uh -huh. okay. um, so I, I don't think there's a risk in that. Um, that. There's definitely always a risk with personality because people naturally tend to try and hire people that are like themselves, yeah. right? And people who communicate like you are the ones that you're most likely to hire because you feel they are smart people. So the second you meet them, you're like, oh, that's a cool guy, right? Um, and, and and that's natural. However, again, as, as you probably know from my course, uh, I'm, I'm very, very big on DISC. Uh, and exactly because of what you mentioned earlier, when you ask people to do tests, it sucks, both because they answer what you, they think you wanna hear no matter what you tell them, and secondly, most people don't actually know themselves very well. So you very frequently see tests that are wrong, not because the person purposely answered wrong, just because they don't know themselves, All right? So you can have like some sales guy that never looked at Excel. He sits down for a week and look at Excel and suddenly he feels like world expert, All right? Uh, whereas you'll have people who have worked with Excel for three months that aren't particularly great at it, but they feel they're totally newbies and, you know, it's so difficult for people to judge themselves in many cases. And that that's actually where most personality tests go wrong. So, so yeah. 
It's funny you mentioned Excel there because it, it's I mentioned about CVs and uh, when we had the the agency, there was about twenty of us in the office, and I actually was doing an Excel training session with with people. And at the start, I found everyone's CVs from when they applied and looked at how they rated their own Excel skills, and I, I made a spreadsheet of everybody's skills. Uh, and everyone's like, oh, advanced office user, you know. Um, lots of experience with with excel but you know they didn't know how to use an if formula or something something like that so uh that was that was quite eye-opening uh and and maybe made me question like the the rest of of what some of these people had put on their their cvs as well so so one thing i found particularly in the world of seo is have good excel skills as a requirement because again the people who are naturally inclined to be good at excel tend to be the detail-oriented people you're looking for in, in many of those type of roles, right? And sometimes people haven't been exposed to it and they can learn. But again, everything else being equal, when, when you have your big sales funnel with thousands of people ideally in the top, right? When you go down through it, um, like first of all, having someone do it. So like we love having one of our, um, you know, HR, BAs uh, basically interview and, and have people do like some Excel tests on a live call, like on a Zoom or whatever, yep. right? And actually watch them do it. Don't send a test to them and get them to do it because yeah. their granddaughter or whatever could be helping them, but watch them do it. You will instantly see are they good at Excel. And honestly, in most online work, having Excel skills is a huge benefit. So we have done that uh, for, for, for several roles, um, but I just want to pick on something you said about being able to learn learn something because I we've identified that people who have a very high learning rate or desire to learn new things seem to perform quite well in, in SEO. It's one of those fields that nobody knows everything. You're everyone's always learning from each other kind of thing. So we we've we've experimented with different ways of of trying to understand this. Uh, but questions in the interview, like what books have you read this year or what um, what magazines, what podcasts do you listen to, what's on your YouTube playlist, um, home screen, uh, th- things like that will quite often identify people who are more inclined towards, you know, are they reading Tim Ferriss and this kind of stuff or are they reading, you know, trashy magazines or, or whatever. You, you can get a picture of, of that um, quite quickly. But uh, this is a question for you, I guess. Do, do you have any other ways of identifying that like high learning rate from, from people in the interview process? So no, I mean, learning rate per se is actually one of the things that I like to develop, right? So, so when you have great people, like teaching them personal development is a huge bonus, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because many people don't learn that, but definitely I agree with you in terms of if you can find people who are already super driven and, and into personal development, uh, again, totally depend on what kind of people you're hiring, where you're hiring and so on. But but that can definitely be a benefit. The, the one thing that I would say that, that we really look for in that guts is really looking for people who have done similar things, right? Mm-hmm. So the ones like, for example, computer gamers, a lot of people we hire, we really like, a lot of roles we hire, we really like looking at computer gamers because a lot of stuff when you're working online is about speed. And, you know, if someone can copy paste 50 times in a minute and someone else can do it 200 times, like it's not about the copy paste, but it's a fact that if you are super, super fast with computers, 
that is just, again, a huge, huge advantage, right? So we, we like to look at those things. We, I, I mean, I really like even simple typing tests. It's not a question of do they type 20 words per minute or 50 words or 100 words. It's not about that. It's about are they fast using a computer, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we have found that the more we can test that, again, it doesn't mean that people that don't have so much computer experience are bad, but the point is when, when you're looking at a whole pool of people, then you really want to make sure you, you take the key things that makes people good in general and use that as a starting point. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and just, just on that as well. So we, we've hired in the past quite a few fresh graduates, I'd say, who maybe don't have quite so much work experience, but uh, one thing we, we've noticed is that if they're able to demonstrate success in non-work areas of their life, and that could be doing really well in a, some kind of video game tournament, or could be like a, a, sports, a sports team they're on at, at university, or getting some kind of like difficult placement, internship placement, or, or, or something like that. Successful people tend to be successful in many different areas of their life, not not just one. So that can often add at, that can often work as a good indicator for people who maybe don't have so much experience um, in a, a, a professional environment. Definitely, and I I mean again this this goes a little bit to disc right because um, very often like disc wise personality wise when you're when you're looking for very successful people in that regard. You're, you're often looking for high Ds who are basically willing to do what it takes to succeed, right? Uh, and, and again, there, there's definitely a lot of roles where they can be very good, but it's also one of these things it's good to know what you're hiring because there's definitely also roles where those kind of people are not necessarily the best match, right? So mm-hmm. uh, again, we are, we are very, very big fans of DISC, or I am at least. Um, and I, I think for me, that's the... That's the essence, right? It's really understanding. And, and I sit down, like when we when we have a role, like we sit down and say, what is the best type of personality for this role? Um, and, and there's definitely, like particularly in SEO, that there's sometimes things where, you know, people who are too driven and, and too, too much about speed, where they, you know, they make a certain amount of mistakes or they are, how do you say it? Like they, they don't care so much if the details are right. They're just looking for Sloppy, quick yeah. fixes. Yeah. And the, the thing is, that's like, you can become, you can be very successful and be uh, called sloppy. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but but you can, you can be very successful and you can get very successful without necessarily being uh, at least detail oriented. Right. And very often um, it, they can still be great at some roles. Like if you have someone doing outreach, perfect right? Like, you know, if they forget to set a comma somewhere, or whatever, it's probably not going to, it's not going to change the world. And, and the fact in some roles is it's much more about push out, push out, push out. And then, you know, yeah. the outcome is a percentage and similar to sales, right? Whereas sometimes when you're dealing with technical SEO and stuff, you, you want to make sure things are done correctly, right? Even if, yeah. even if you have to double check, et cetera. One one misplaced uh, no index tag, and you know you have a serious problem on your hands. Definitely, definitely. So, anyways, that's 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 excellent. Any other kind of management processes that you feel that you guys are doing really well? 
Uh, so I'm quite a big fan of two of our processes, which we've been running for a couple of years now. Uh, one is the goal setting and review call. So actually in 2016, there was some random conversation uh, conference somewhere and you were talking to someone and you were saying how, you know, you have to have a one-on-one with every one of your direct reports once a week or something like that. And I was like, man, it's been like years since I've had a one-on-one with like some of my employees. So I like, okay, we, we need to start doing this. And we went through various iterations of it and tried different things and eventually settled, settled on uh, a structure called goal setting and review, uh, which we, wasn't something we came up with. We got it from somewhere else, but basically uh, you, you you're, want your employees to be setting goals every week. So my objective this week is to do X and for project-based work, this is very easy for support or like, um, business as usual type work, uh, it can be a little bit more challenging for some of those things, but you can often set target-based goals or if there's any extra things which they need to, to do in addition to their, their standard stuff, you, you can do there. So we'll like review the goals from last week. Uh, we'll talk about any kind of roadblocks they, they have that will go down a list of, of things they, they want to talk about. Uh, we'll look, review their KPIs. We'll give them specific feedback on certain areas. I mean, usually we're giving feedback live as it is. So there's not too much kind of surprise element in, in these calls. Uh, and then we'll finish up by asking them to set their goals. And it's, it's, we want to encourage people to set their own goals rather than us saying, okay, you have to do this. You have to do this. You have to do this. Uh, and of course there's a bit of, if, if they're setting something ridiculous, we'll encourage them to, to rethink that or, or, or correct it. Uh, but just having this weekly objective that they're like overarching objective that they're, they're working towards and they when, when they hopefully achieve it, they, they feel this kind of sense of accomplishment and we can kind of feel like we're, we're making progress with, with new things by, by having this, this process. And it also stops people having to think about what they need to be doing every day, uh, which we had identified as, as, as a big problem in the, in the past. So they can just show up and, you know, they have it written down from, from this calls. Like, okay. This week I'm just, this is the main thing I'm working towards. And am I, is what I'm doing today helping me achieve that and kind of helps them just to go in the right, right direction as it were. Uh, and just having the, the weekly video call touch point with, with everyone's also good for, you know, maintaining relationships. You can identify problems early that, you know, you can maybe um, work around or, or address. Uh, having dialogues always good in that sense. So we have that. And we also have a, a daily stand-up call, which is a, at 9 a.m. in the morning, where we, it's, it's kind of a, a shortened version of, of that goal-setting interview. It's like, yesterday, my goals were to do this, this, and this. I did it. I didn't do it. We don't really care, like, if you're busy or whatever. It's, it's not, we're not trying to hold people to account so much, although it does have the, the effect of that, we're really tr just trying to identify roadblocks. So if people say, well, I was actually stuck with this because I was waiting for this and I don't know where it is, then this, this is a good forum to, to kind of voice those, those issues. Or if there's any, you know, a customer had this complaint and, you know, we don't know how to solve it or this is broken, which just acts as that kind of portal for communication first thing in the morning so that we're all aligned first thing in the morning. We're all clear about what we're going to work on that day. And then we just go ahead and <clears throat> do the work through, through, through the rest of the day. Uh, so 
maintaining or getting both these two things embedded as a thing, which we just automatically do without thinking is difficult. Uh, for us, it took probably took a year and a half before we got to a period where we wouldn't, we almost never missed, missed these. Uh, in the early days, there would always be things like someone would forget forget about it and schedule another meeting or you know had a haircut that that time so so it really did take us a while to make these kind of sacred as a, as, as it were but we now have a really strong philosophy or culture or, around around these these two important meetings so yeah it's it's helped us kind of and, and, and how good is it? what do you mean like how good is it from a performance standpoint like is it Uh, so, I mean, different people set, I, I struggle with like how, how many of your goal, how much of your goals should you be accomplishing? Right. Because if you're, if you accomplish them all, you're not setting tough enough goals. And then it's like, well, should, does that mean the default is like 70% you should accomplish? So I, I tend not to be too, I tend not to look too much at how people are, how many, how many of the goals people are actually achieving because it's quite easy to manipulate and as, as a metric. Uh, but in terms of actually getting shit done, which is important to the business, it's been phenomenal. Uh, in the past, we would have loads of people working on stuff. First of all, we'd have loads of people who didn't know, really know what they were supposed to be working on. You know, they had a, a few key things, but anything else which came in, it wasn't clear. And they just didn't have like a, a strong pull for which direction they should be moving so these two frameworks help tremendously um for that and just even myself like when i come in in the morning and there's all these emails and all this stuff to do i just like all that stuff just like does it's not quite so important it's like what's my what's my main goal what am i just trying to achieve this week and let's make sure we get that done before we take care of the less important stuff sounds good sounds good and uh, i i think I mean, particularly particularly regular meetings like that, right? Like, like you can do it in different ways, right? Like, I I prefer the one to one format, but but it's not about the format. But really, the key thing is establishing those opportunities for communication, making sure that you have those options to build solid relationship with your staff, because it just it just makes such a big difference when you do it, right? And it's, I mean, as you said, like most people I talked to initially, they're like, oh well, I haven't talked to my staff and I always use the horror story. Like I, I spoke with a guy who have had a Filipino employee for six years and they had never done a voice call. Like they've only ever talked by text writing on Skype. Right. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> but, but, but now after he actually started talking with the person, the, the person was obviously someone who was very comfortable with, with written communication. Right. But uh, the additional performance coming out of that individual after he started talking to him, was like amazing right because he'd been sitting around the company for six years with so much knowledge and all this stuff but just never really made much out of it because that never really been a, a good opportunity to talk about it right and that's uh, we, yeah, that, yeah. We, sorry we, we even do this with freelance writers who are writing you know a few articles per per week just because and it's not so much about setting the, the goals as, as much because we use Asana for all that and it's all scheduled. So it's, it's fine. It's more just that relationship element, which most other website or blog blogs who are hiring them as well. Cause you know, they work for other people too. Uh, 
are are not doing. So it can help put you as top of the top of the list when it comes to who they want to work with. Uh, you know, writers inevitably will, as they get more clients, they'll fire the ones they don't like as much and kind of be a bit more picky. So we are automatically, at least hopefully, higher up that that order than the person who's never talked to them in six years and just sends them a keyword and the payment and that's it that's it so yeah definitely excellent mark uh, i think that have been a fantastic discussion uh, any any sort of last things you want to share before we finish off yeah just that all of this stuff i mean myself i'm sure you you would agree as as well this, this is not something you're ever going to truly master and just be like okay I, i i know how to do this like you might do when you know excel and you know how to do every formula and every function and stuff there it's just like even the even people i know who are you know 20 30 years older than me that have been doing this all their life working in in, in hr they still learn new stuff all the time uh so i I've been doing this 12 years now and I still view myself as a relative beginner uh, just you know looking back at, at how how bad we were in in you know 10 years ago or something it can help you to understand like how far you you've actually come but if you if you haven't come through that yet then don't feel too intimidated by uh, all this management stuff and getting it right just try and gain that reference experience. And even if you make fuck ups and expensive mistakes, it'll come back to benefit you later on through being able to know what to do, what not to do rather. Someday, some way, someday, some way. Indeed. So yeah, fantastic. Mark, if people are eager to get hold of you, what's the best place to do so? Uh, so authorityhacker.com is, is our website uh, and we have a, a weekly podcast Uh, authorityhacker.com forward slash podcast or just go to YouTube or SoundCloud and search for Authority Hacker and you can you can find us there. There's 250 odd episodes. Uh, we talk mostly about SEO, online marketing, but just other aspects of, of running a website such as hiring. We have an episode on how we hire our writers, for example. Uh, so it's all free. Go check that out. And you know we're, we're on social media and all the, the usual places as, as well. Fantastic. Well, Thank you very much for joining me today, Mark. Thanks for having um, me on, Matt. Appreciate it. Excellent. And to the audience, or you can listen to us again next week. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.